0: Hello everybody and welcome back to Knights of the Pageless Library. I am Bo Knight.
1: And I am Ryan Knight.
0: And today we are continuing our Anime Squires episodes where we are looking at Samurai Champloo. So we are on episodes four, five, six, right? Math's yep. hard.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Um, and I want to apologize to everyone right out of the gate. I am at work currently and having some technical difficulties so if my audio sounds bad uh, i apologize for that
0: yeah and he's not recording like on the job just to be
1: clear oh yeah as, as, as
0: hilarious as that would be <laughs>
1: <laughs> no i just happen to be not at my house is all so so yeah
0: oh and i guess like uh, we should say that this is basically like a books book club style podcast so we're kind of expecting you to watch these episodes along with us, at like, as as we do, and then, like, come along for, like, the discussion at the end of, like, sure. what we think. So if you're kind of confused, I would suggest watching the episodes or going back and checking out our first episode about this anime before you check out these.
1: Yeah, or go back and check out our uh, Season 1. Yeah, if you um, want to check out Parasite. Did, yeah, where we did Parasite the Maxim, so... Uh, And if you think that's a great idea, or if you think that's a terrible idea, please feel free to let us know by emailing us at kotpl.pod at gmail.com. We would love to hear it.
0: We're always open to recommendations to books, shows, games, recipes. I don't care. Send me anything.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So with that, let's go ahead and get into episode four is Hellhounds for Hire part two. And this one was directed by Hirotaka Endo and written by Shinji Obara. The original air date in Japan was June 17th, 2004. And the English dub was June 4th, 2005.
0: Did you have something you want to say about the opening again?
1: Uh, yes, the... actually. Yeah, I do. I put it in the notes again. I just, I think this opening, like, while I, and I said it before, I think the art sequence is great i just think this is far too long and the song is not good in the background so
0: yeah i i agree i i think a half a minute and a a minute and a half is about average though
1: and i think you're right and again i gotta give credit where credit is due i'm glad that they put this in the beginning the very beginning of the episode so you can literally just skip right past it if you want so yeah you don't have to watch all that stuff yeah so this episode starts off pretty much right where the previous episode left off uh where they were at the brothel and Mugen and Jin start fighting each other because Mugen was hanging out with the maroon guys right and Jin was with the green guys
0: yeah yeah I don't remember yeah. the names of the the gangs oh my
1: god I know. I can't remember I think they're the color coordinated even. for a reason well yeah I think so too but that's the easiest way I can remember them is like the m- maroon and the friggin' green guys. Oh man, and I also don't remember the heir's name.
0: But while all this chaos is going on because they're fighting, he tries to get the cabinet maker's daughter to leave the brothel, but she basically says, "Like, no, she needs to stay." And then he gets the that dude with the cool chain whip thing. I don't. What do you call that thing? I don't know.
1: It's almost like a
0: kunai with I, chain. i was gonna I <laughs> say that but i don't think it's anything like that
1: <laughs> well yeah but the only difference is a kunai with chain has a kunai blade on the end yeah, just that's no true thing. i or feel like whatever that this is has just has the... a name though it yeah. probably does it's basically a chain with like a, a little weight? like round two inch ball on the end yeah to give it weight at the end of it
0: yeah and uh, this is the the maroon guys he, he's like their second in command after Mugen, i guess and he like right. wraps the chain around the kid's neck and pulls him to the ground.
1: Yeah, it's freaking badass. It is pretty cool. The number 2 guy's pretty cool. I do freaking love this though that it we clip back to Mugen and Jin fighting and it just it just adds to how unorthodox Mugen is cuz he's like picking up shoes and yeah, throwing them at Jin during out. the fight.
0: <laughs> oh, and before we go so any further, I think I have to say this might be one of my favorite episodes of any anime. I, I love this episode. It's so good.
1: Which is saying a lot, I think. It really is.
0: But we'll get to it, but there are some parts that just like had me
1: laughing out loud. Sure. Um, so, and then I like this part where a bunch of freaking... Basically, because the fight starts between Jin and Mugen, uh, both gangs kind of have a show of presence there. So a bunch of the I don't think there's
0: any freaking, green guys...
1: No, you're right, because Jin is there... You're right, because Jin is there as uh, just acting with the kid, right? Yeah, he's just his bodyguard. Yeah, You're right, because the green guys did not want this fight, actually. Um, but, but you're right, so a bunch of, of guys
0: like <laughs> bunch of the purple- hallway.
1: Yeah, a ton of freaking purple guys come in, and they surround Mugen, because he had backed off from Jin, and Jin is literally like, what the hell is this shit? Get out of my way, I'm gonna kill him. And he's... St- stabs one of the purple guys and like,
0: yeah, I'm pretty sure gang, there's a record scratch. It's like,
1: and everybody just yeah. looks at Mugen. Yeah, because they're like, oh my god, that's one of our guys. What are you doing? And he basically, you know, Mugen, he's just like, I don't give a shit. He just wants to fight Jin. Yeah, he does.
0: But then Jin uses his, what the heck is that thing called? I even looked it up. I forgot what it was called.
1: Whatever is his little really? instrument
0: thing that he was playing.
1: Yeah, it looks like a banjo with only like three strings and a square box instead of a round box.
0: He throws it on the ground. It's got smoke bombs in it, so they're able to get away, which I thought was cool.
1: Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool, too. That was that I I think that also plays into Jin's character. He's he's usually always a few steps ahead of any situation, whereas Mugen just makes up all the shit on the spot.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mugen's super unpredictable.
1: So then. Go ahead. Uh, Fu is talking to the cabinet maker's daughter about escaping. Um, but this the daughter is like, No, I have to stay here and pay for my father's debt, which is pretty somber. Like,
0: yeah, but then <laughs> pretty, pretty heavy. She asks Fu, She's like, What about your family? And she like looks off all wistfully. I'm telling you, the samurai, it's her, it's her dad. I'm putting money on it.
1: Well, that's for? a pretty good guess. That is a good guess. I think, like, I think that's a, I mean, that's a very fair thing to assume. <clears throat> but then Mugen, uh, Mugen ends up meeting back up with the uh, purple boss, right? And he gets mad though because the purple boss uh, won't just let him fight Jin one on one.
0: Well, what does he say to him? He's like, he's like, you're an enforcer to ensure my power. He's like, your presence is enough. I don't actually need you to fight.
1: Yeah, yeah. and this is basically when Mugen tells this dude, he's like, because he says that all the stuff that they do, you know, Mugen knows a lot of it's rigged. And he's like, I don't want anybody to rule me, and I don't want to rule over anybody else, because this mob boss is like, hey, uh, you know, all you have to do is stick by my side and you can be in charge of this whole town. But Mugen's like, I don't want any part in that. It's pretty, it's kind of crazy.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think Mugen's just hungry.
1: Yeah, (laughs) basically. But I did love this line because Mugen basically, he tells this dude, he's like, he essentially basically tells him, he's like, you're a bitch. You know, all you do is freaking sit here and have all your freaking thugs, you know, strong arm, all these townspeople. And that's all that makes you, you know, the boss. And so Mugen goes to leave, and this guy threatens him. that He's like, if you leave, you know, I'm going <coughs> to have you killed. <laughs> and Mugen's like, if you send somebody after me, do me a favor and send the toughest mofo you can find. <laughs>
0: yeah, I do find it odd that he says mofo in, like, samurai times.
1: <laughs> Dude, but it's so good. It is badass. It's at. so good.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then Mugen, like, after he leaves, he's talking to the number two. About, like, how they like, oh god, what does he say? It's like, I can't remember what
1: he says. I think basically that because the number two guy was outside the room, right? He heard the whole conversation, yeah, he eavesdropped and he he sort of explains like why he is okay with like having a leader. And but Mugen's literally like, basically, Mugen's like, that makes you a bitch too, because
0: yeah, what a load of horse piss.
1: Yeah, because he's like, you you have no control over your destiny then. Mugen's like, I'm the only one in charge of what I do. And I was like, damn, Mugen dropping some serious life knowledge right here. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, is this, is this is this when we jump to Fu and she has like that ugly face on?
1: Yes! Dude. <laughs> yes, it is.
0: Uh, so, Fu's like making a horrible face so nobody in the brothel will want to freaking have sex with her. No, wait, I guess that's later. I, I'm i sorry. I messed that up. Is it? it, it oh, is this, it? This is just the, oh, yeah, this yeah. Is the part where they're talking with later. the guards and they're like, you better be making us some money. And then the guard starts fondling one of the girls. And that's then right. Yeah. The air comes that up and comes just fucking in. stabs the guy in the back.
1: Yeah. He finally freaking uses his sword because. Which, which no, is interesting w- that w- you mentioned gin. that
0: because I didn't even freaking
1: think about that shit.
0: But he,
1: yeah, he used it Jin in a cowardly way, though. Kind of was, yeah, because he does. He runs up and stabs this dude right in the back while he's facing away from him. But Mugen, all Mugen said was, if you're going to carry a sword, you have to be yeah. prepared to use it. That's or true. not Mugen, Jin. Jin. Jin told him that. Um, so basically, the uh, maroon dudes all go and meet up with the green dudes <clears throat> because, uh, because of what this kid has done so because the kid freaking stabbed a maroon guy basically the maroon guys are like that's it you know no more because realistically they were in sort of like a stand down they had like a standing agreement with each other right but after this kid did this they're like yeah no more we we ain't well, basically it's all out moon, yeah that's true they want like a life for a life basically at this point yeah
0: and the the green the green boss is like i'll handle it personally the green boss is so cool such yeah he's like a super sensei
1: yeah he really is and i feel like his character sort of embodies like that very like um like japanese discipline and stuff that yeah, a lot of movies and stuff talk about that. I, and I don't know personally if that's like a real thing over there, but I have a feeling that. Like, you know, some guy who I mean, yes, these are mob bosses, but at this time when the whole like samurai thing that this takes place, you know, that was like a big deal to be extremely disciplined and have certain things that you stood for no matter what the situation was.
0: So they decide that they're going to settle it by gambling, which this whole arrangement makes no sense to me.
1: (laughs) No. So it really doesn't make sense because uh, they basically say that yeah, they're going to gamble, but what is it? It's like they'll use the maroon guy's dice, but the green guy will roll them.
0: So the green, the green, the green gang, the gang, green gang will supply (laughs) the dice roller and the maroon guys will supply the dice that's super weird but that's not even what i mean i mean the bet is so if the green guy wins he gets to keep his son but loses all of his territory if he loses he he has to kill his son that's that's it like I, i don't so is is all of the territory to settle for his son's life I guess I don't really understand why all of his <clears throat> territory needs to go
1: with. I didn't fully understand it either. Yeah. Cause really in the green guy's eyes, it's sort of a lose, lose situation. Yeah. No matter what. I mean, he, I mean, a well, man. It, yeah. And he's, he says he's going to save his son. Obviously that's the most important thing to him is that he would save his son's life. And we see that come to, uh, Fruition here shortly.
0: Yeah, and then we jump to Mugen holding this like plant stem that's basically an umbrella.
1: Oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> How that, where did that right. come
0: from? That thing is so cool.
1: <laughs> I don't know, but it is pretty sweet.
0: <laughs> he's basically on his own because I think he decided to give up on the other two. Uh, with I mean, the other two is in Jin and Fu. It's like walking away. Yeah, because he actually remembers Fu and he's like, yeah, you're right. Maybe I shouldn't be a total piece of garbage. Right. And he just decided yeah, he decides he's, like, to go back town. But I, I feel like he's going back just to fight the Maroon guys.
1: I think so too, yeah. He has some – he always has some deeper-seated thing to what he's doing. Yeah. So we have a quick little conversation between the green boss and the Maroon boss, and it basically just reinforces the fact that the Maroon guy is a total piece of shit, but the green guy, <clears throat> he's he's basically honor-bound. Like – yeah. No matter what happens during this thing, he's not going to cheat. He's not going to do anything. Even though he's like a mob boss, he's not going to freaking, you know, degrade his own honor. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the green guy is a little G.
1: Yeah, and right after this is when he talks to Jin about how big of a piece of shit he used to be.
0: Like yeah. He gives Jim you know. something, but we don't ever get to know what it says.
1: Right. This is where this is the part you were talking about. Yeah, where, yeah. Where we jump cut to foo and she has her face all jacked up and it looks so funny. It is super funny.
0: Because she's just trying to scare the customers off instead of getting picked. But then some dude comes in and he's like, ha-ha, you're perfect. That's exactly what I was looking for.
1: Yeah, because his face looks exactly like hers. Just yeah. like his normal face. <laughs> oh my god, so funny.
0: Yeah, and he, he basically, he you know, he tries to do what you would do with a girl who works at a brothel and has sex with her. But right. uh, the, the squirrel thing, which I think is called Momo, I think. I can't remember what it's that sounds called. right.
1: <clears throat> no, that sounds right. Which,
0: which it only show I feel like it shows up very, only when Foo is in like horrible trouble.
1: <clears throat> its name might as well be Ex Machina, dude. Yeah, basically.
0: <laughs> anyway, it jumps out, bites the dude on the finger, and like here. You want to talk about the sound design a little bit?
1: I just, I just thought it was great. I, I had to make notes about it because, like, the the dudes like feeling her up, and the squirrel like pops out of her shirt. And he looks at it and it looks back at him and then it opens his mouth and then it clips back to his face, I think. And then it clips back to the squirrel and it just bites. But it's just like, it's not like some crazy cartoon, you know, shaking screen stuff. It's literally just like like on his finger and then it flashes back to the dude and he just starts screaming. And I thought it was so well cut. Yeah, it is that, dude. This episode's (laughs) great. Yeah, because, I mean, a lot of anime, it would be like, like, it might go down kind of like that, but then it would show him, like, cartoony, like, running around with, like, the finger attached, or the squirrel attached to his finger, like, all yeah. weird. I don't know, man. I just thought that it's so subtle, and most people wouldn't even notice it. But I just thought it was great, you know, the way they handled it.
0: But then food's like, oh, a vase, and just, like, smashes it over this dude's head.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I noted that because, you know, she was told earlier on to You know, beware of faces.
0: Yeah, (laughs) which I actually did not (laughs) even remember that.
1: Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) Wow.
0: Oh, and this is my favorite part of the whole episode. I love this. So she escapes and she goes down. And these two dudes walking past carrying a litter. I had to look it up again.
1: That's right. A litter. Okay. Yeah. They walk
0: great. past her and they're going, pa- they go past her and they're going, one, two, one, two. And she goes, Hey, have you got, do you know where the gambling house is? And they back up and they go, Two, one, two, one. Yeah. yeah, it, yeah. Is it is so great. Good. It's especially because you hear the sound fading I, out. Yeah. It out of but, screen, but it's, and then it, it was like in the so background. I, th- I thought it, I thought it was just like part of the background to begin with. You're like, Oh, those dudes are just carrying that thing back there. But they like back up and come back. Like, that's perfect. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so good. It is funny as shit and (laughs) they they
0: open the litter and they're like hey you can here get in
1: yeah it's basically like a taxi
0: (laughs) which i guess we forgot to mention that the maroon boss has planned to rig the game because there he has plans in motion to stop the green guy's dice roller from getting to the game so they're gonna have to use one of his which made no sense to me because couldn't the green guy just be like hey clarence come over here and roll these dice
1: yeah because yeah why did it it just had to be one of the green guys. Yeah. Didn't I have to be a specific weird. guy.
0: But anyway, they the guys who were carrying the litter think it's foo. So they pick her up and they take her to the gambling house.
1: That's right. Yeah. Okay. That makes more sense now that you say it like that. That's right. Which is movie, great movie. though. What? What'd you say? I just think that part is great that when she I, shows up finally. It
0: had I had to rewind it because it was I was so funny. It's like oh yeah. my god, like, I I don't know this. This show hits me with the humor when I'm not expecting it.
1: I and I think that that is very much to its strength because a lot of this, like let's be real, most anime, and it might just be a lot of newer stuff, but like, it kind of follows pretty similar beats. Yeah, you know, like, and so you can usually tell when like a joke is going to show up or something and i'm i'm gonna pick on my hero academia right now but it it, like it's almost over the top because like i said they always do that thing where it like like somebody makes a joke and it has to show the person who like who the joke was aimed at like either they're like cartoony mad face or whatever like huge on the screen yeah
0: it's like exactly what you mean full metal does that all the time too
1: yeah, but in Fullmetal Alchemist, they went way over the top with the cartoony thing, which made it even funnier, to be honest. No,
0: I'm not I'm not shitting on Fullmetal Alchemist. I'm just saying that's similar to what you're talking about.
1: Exactly. Yeah, you know exactly what I mean, though. And uh, Black Clover does the same thing. Like, a lot of these other anime that I, I really like, they follow those same beats. Whereas, like you said, this show... A lot of this stuff comes out of left field, man. Like, you do not see it coming.
0: Well, the, like, the thing with that those guys, it doesn't, d- like, dwell on it. They don't mention it again. Like, no, that's great. all it is. It's
1: perfect. It is perfect. I love like, the subtle humor.
0: so fun. It was hilarious to me. It, okay, so continuing on. So we jump to the two bosses are waiting to roll the dice. And they're like, oh, your dice roller hasn't shown up yet. And he's like, give him time. And then we, we cut to Mugen, and he, like, kicks into the brothel, and he's there to rescue Fu, but no one's there because they're all at the gambling house.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah, dude. I can't believe I forgot that. <laughs> yeah. That was funny.
0: Yeah, so Fu, Fu like, they, they show up, they drop her off, and they, like, throw her inside. They're like, she's here! And they just, like, yeah, toss yeah, her yeah. inside.
1: Yeah, and then they, like, take her real quick, right? And they, like, get her dressed up. Yeah, which she comes back roller. in just
0: a different colored kimono which bothers me. right <laughs> it's like what was wrong with what she was wearing
1: right <laughs> but then <laughs> it is funny because then they throw her into the freaking dice hall and she is supposed to be the one rolling the dice and i thought this part was so funny when she. yeah freaking... this part's
0: hilarious too i had to rewind yeah. it because i was like wait a minute
1: I'll let you tell it then. Go, you tell it.
0: Because F- Foo shows up and she's like, oh, what? I'm the dice roller? And then she seems to totally embrace her role and like takes one of <laughs> her sleeves <laughs> off. Yeah. And she's like, well, I can't remember. She says something. She's like, show me the bets, boys. And then she takes the dice and she's holding the cup. And it looks like she's going to throw the dice into the cup. And she proceeds to fling them against the wall. And they bounce off the wall, land perfectly in front of her. And she catches them in the cup.
1: Dude, which I, I personally thought that the joke was that she missed the cup. Like, I started laughing because I thought she missed the cup and I was like, Oh my god, this is so her. But then yeah, they turn it around and it bounces off the wall. She they land and she catches them in the cup. I don't I know like, if it was
0: intentional or dang. not, but it's pretty cool.
1: It was pretty freaking cool. And I'm sure you saw I put that in the notes. It was a it shaped like a little tiny vase. The cup That's, is.
0: I see. I guess I forgot about the vase thing. <laughs> Maybe the vases is gonna be coming up in more episodes because I did not pay attention to that at all.
1: I don't know. And maybe, and I might be reading into it, but yeah. I usually like the bases. That. They mean something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so basically, the way I understood this game is it's almost like, uh, it's almost like roulette. Like you place, you guess what the dice roll was going to be before it's revealed or something I, like they that. They were
0: going high, low.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. It, what, what do they so say? They it's to... like,
0: it's like chuh and something. They were going to
1: high, low, whatever they were doing. Okay. That makes sense,
0: and I don't know, like, if that means like where the cutoff is, but that's what they were they're doing.
1: Um. So she reveals the dice, and it's basically shown that the green boss had lost, mm-hmm. and so he basically says, "Okay, I lost. Therefore, uh, I can't remember exactly how he says it. He says, he says he
0: says like I will atone or something
1: like that. Yeah, he says something about like." Yeah, that a life will be atoned for or something. Yeah,
0: I think think that's exactly what he says.
1: But then he proceeds to freaking commit (laughs) seppuku, which I'm pretty, I'm like 99% sure that's what he did because he pulls out a short little dagger that looks like a small katana and he stabs himself right in the freaking stomach.
0: Does seppuku have to have two people though?
1: I think so. But I think the idea behind it the idea behind seppuku is it's a it's a Japanese ritual suicide. No, you are one hundred
0: percent right about that. I, I'm just curious about like the ant like the semantics of it. Like I'm I'm genuinely curious if seppuku, if it's only seppuku, if there are two people, like if they've actually a second or not.
1: Yeah, I'd be curious too, because I know exactly what you're talking about because of you know the book we've been listening <laughs> yeah, to. Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> but Uh, And I'd be curious too if that if that is the more historically accurate, or if it's just the idea that you use this specific knife and you it's the way that you kill yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: So yeah. So he killed himself to pay for his son to live.
1: Right. Which is not what the purple guy was expecting. I like how you have
0: different colors for them throughout the thing. Started as maroon, (laughs) then they were red, now they're oh yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I drink a lot so <laughs> <laughs> um, So the, uh, the purple boss though he thinks this is funny that the dude killed himself because you know he's a piece of shit. but in reality this just means that the life was atoned for. therefore the guy doesn't the green boss doesn't lose his uh, lose his territory right The territory passes on to his heir which is his, his, his son
0: but then doesn't doesn't the purple boss take the air hostage
1: yeah he freaking grabs the kid he pulls a knife and he grabs the kid takes him hostage that's just when Mugen freaking kicks the door into the gambling hall just like he kicked the door into the brothel
0: (laughs) yeah so Mugen basically showed up to kick ass
1: and then because Mugen Mugen is mad that no one came after him
0: yeah that's right he's like he's like no one came after me so I came after you
1: yeah exactly (laughs)
0: Which is great, and then I can't. The purple boss says something. He's like, he's like, aren't you worried about the kid? And he's like, nah,
1: I don't give a damn. Yeah, dude, he he, he doesn't.
0: And then he yeah, Mugen and Jin proceed, and this is when Jin has the sick. He pulls his sword and kills five guys.
1: As he does he in really? that one
0: scene, yeah, like it does the like you oh, know like really? the the like sword pull, and he kills five of those dudes.
1: Dang, yeah, that's hardcore. But this is when. Because Mugen and Jin start fighting their way towards the purple boss, and he ends up letting go of the kid, and he runs out the back of the gambling hall. Mm-hmm. And outside, he gets stopped by uh, the number two, uh, Ishimatsu. Ishimatsu. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, he's like up on this hill behind the gambling hall, and the guy, the boss, is like, "Oh, Ishimatsu, you, you have to save me. They're gonna get me." And Ishimatsu just stabs him right in the freaking stomach. Right.
0: He says something to him, though, doesn't he? It's like, I can't remember something about him being the powerless
1: one. Yeah, because basically Mugen's little speech towards the beginning of the episode hit this guy pretty hard. And now he's really seeing, like, why would he follow this guy? Like, this guy just took a freaking kid hostage like he was going to kill this kid. This dude is a total piece of shit.
0: Yeah, the dude is a piece of shit. So but yeah, but he's he so, like a
1: bitch. Yeah. He yeah, he he definitely does. Um and then after their little fight, we cut to uh, Jin giving the kid that pendant that his father gave him. Um and that's when the the kid asks uh, Ishimatsu if he will return back to the Green Gang because he was on in the Green Gang a long time ago apparently.
0: Yeah, which do they talk about that? Like, why he wasn't there anymore? Am I just stupid?
1: I if they did, I guess I kind of missed it too because I didn't put it in the notes. Or I did mean, did he did
0: he switch over because it was he was getting more money from that
1: could be the maroon guys. That could be that would make sense. <clears throat>
0: but you, no, but then that's when it freaking necklace guy was like, he's like, no, me and Muga need to settle things. And they have that like classic Bushido Blade style samurai duel thing where they run at each other and they slash and Mugen is fine but uh, Ishimatsu starts to bleed.
1: Yeah, he starts, blood starts coming out of his mouth I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And then it's over. It literally cuts off right there and that's the end of the episode.
0: It's a pretty solid episode.
1: It really is. It's It's got jokes. It gets dark. (laughs) It's, yeah, it gets kind of deep. It gets deep too. Yeah, this episode's great. Yeah. I agree. I th- I think this episode is great. I fully agree. Especially for being a two-parter. Too yeah. how often does that happen where they like they specifically tell you in the title that hey, this is part 1 and this is part 2. Like cuz some I know a lot of anime doesn't necessarily go in sequential order. But sometimes when they are in like a sequential order, it's nice to know that you know these are tied directly together. Yeah. Okay.
0: Anything else you want to say about episode
1: 4? Nope. I think I'm good. We can move on to episode 5. You you don't want to and... talk about
0: the closing sequence?
1: Oh, uh, uh, I just I just, I'm not a fan, basically. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, it's just I'm funny not, to me man. because I don't even think I
0: watched either one of them. Like, usually I'll watch them, but I don't know. I kind of just skip them now.
1: The only reason I mention this stuff is because coming from Parasite, I always went ahead and let the opening sequence play every time. Well, because
0: Parasite's one's really good. I actually That's... even like the closing
1: song on Parasite. That's what I mean, though. I'm coming from a show where I liked both, and this show, while the show itself is great so far, the opening and closing scenes are just terrible to me.
0: It's, it's just such a lack of quality almost in like the opening right. and closing scenes that the, that the show has like so much quality. It just makes no sense to me. It's almost like they were an right. afterthought, and maybe they were,
1: and maybe they were, or it was like. Hey, they're like sitting in their meeting room and they're like, "We need an opening sequence song." And one guy's like, "My brother-in-law knows how to do music." And they were <laughs> like, "Okay, deal." No, they like, were like, "We got this great <laughs> instrumental track. But what about the lyrics?" And some guy was like, "I know how to rap." Dude, yeah. Cuz to be honest, the opening sequence kind of sounds like maybe like a Gorillas song, like
0: kind of, the- but like if the Gorillas only played at the dive bar by my house.
1: No, 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 no. I'm specifically talking about the instruments, though, not okay. the lyrics, because the lyrics are what ruins that opening sequence. Yeah, I agree
0: with you, too. Like, it's like it's almost like, oh, it's like harsh. It's like,
1: oh, 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 get that yeah. out of <laughs> But, yeah, I don't know. I we'll, we'll quit talking about it. I won't mention it in the notes anymore because I think everybody <laughs> gets the point. <laughs> I didn't mean to like,
0: I was just, I was just curious just that you had said something. I was like, well, maybe he wants to talk about it.
1: No, Well, I, apparently I felt pretty strongly about it at the time. But but I, I agree with you. So. so, the episode five, this episode is called Artistic Anarchy. And this is directed by Sayo Yamamoto and written by Dai Saito. Yeah, dude, the, I feel like you killed it. I don't, I, I think. I think. I'm, I'm not 100% sure on that one. Um, the original air date, though, June 24th, 2004, in Japan. And then the English dub came out June 11th, 2005. And for me, personally, this is one of my favorite episodes. I, this episode I is seen. also great. I just I, don't
0: like this narrator weirdness that happens throughout this episode. Uh,
1: and that's fair. Especially because it like introduces a side character in a super weird way. Yeah. And which would have been fine, I think, if it continued throughout the show, but I think after watching the next episode, it does not continue.
0: So, no. so you want to talk about the opening of this one? Because to me, I had to rewind it. I was like, wait, what show am I watching?
1: Yeah, because it is it is definitely different from the first four episodes. Like it is it does definitely take a different tone right in the beginning. Well, and you know what's weird um, to
0: me is the maroon guy. Voice actor, the maroon boss, is the same voice actor that
1: does this narrator. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay, I didn't realize that, but maybe that's why it kind of did make the narrator thing seem even weirder. Um, <clears throat> so this opening sequence starts off with a narrator, and he's talking about a painter that the. Uh, that's right, a painter looking for the Japanese sun that he had seen in his mind's eye. So we're, while this guy's talking about this, we're getting a whole bunch of like painting flashes in the background. They're kind of like fading in and out. Um, and basically it ends up that this narrator is talking about Vincent van Gogh, who apparently constantly painted sunflowers. And then the narrator says, but let's set that aside for this part of our tale.
0: Yeah, and to me, this whole thing doesn't add a whole lot.
1: No, it kills... Okay, so to me, if you're going to do something like this, you either have to do it all the time or not at all.
0: Yeah, that's what I mean. It was just, like, really jarring.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: And it's weird that, like, this episode has, has like, a narrator, but like, a totally random side character.
1: Well... He's a random side character, but like from that opening part, he's. It's just weird that the narrator is also someone who's in the story. Yeah, talking about what's happening, but he's also a part of it. Like that's bizarre to me,
0: and not to say I think this episode is still great. I think it says a lot about the show that there's some stuff that I'm like, "Eh," but it's still pretty good.
1: Yeah. So this one opens up with. Basically just reminding us that Fu and Mugen and Jin have no money, like ever, because Fu is asking how much the boat ride costs, and it costs way more money than they can afford. Because, and we're going to find out here shortly, why that's important that they need to get on the boat. Um, But then this is where we get introduced to this narrator, and he's a guy who works for the secret police. He calls himself Manzo the Saw. Oh yeah, which is doesn't
0: even come up, does it? I forgot about that no. shit.
1: Yeah, it doesn't come up at all. Which I don't really understand why. Yeah, what, why what does he say? Why? Why
0: is he called the Saw? Do you remember?
1: No, I don't remember.
0: Has has something to do with him? Like, like I can't like cutting through anything or something like that because his his blade is jagged or some stupid shit. I forgot that Maybe. that doesn't even come up.
1: No, it doesn't come up again at all. I forgot that shit. <clears throat> so. This guy basically explains that he has been looking... He's trying to figure out why a bunch of girls in this town keep disappearing. Um, but at the same time, it's weird because he's narrating, but he's also like talking to us as the people watching. Because he's like, girls like this one, and he is looking at Fu, but she is at a table with a dude who is... Telling her that she can go ahead and order whatever food she wants. Yeah. Which is hilarious that she then orders food for herself, Mugen, and Jin.
0: <laughs> I see. I, I didn't take it as she ordered food for all of them. I thought she just ordered a lot of food for herself, and then they they just went ahead and put whatever they had on
1: her tab too. Oh well, that that could be. Yeah, but she only orders, because she gets the next twenty episode, orders. She can eat so much. And you're probably right. Yeah, you're probably exactly right. I just thought it was funny though that Jin and Mugen come walking by and they like throw their plates on the table and they're like, this guy'll pick up our tab. <laughs> yeah, they just walk out.
0: <laughs> oh, they they walk out and they split up and then food's like, you have to earn our boat fare. And so they both I get split up to get money
1: for the boat. Yeah.
0: Even though they don't so, actually discuss it. I just split up.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they kind of just wing it, which is usually what they always do. So, and then this dude, um, he's basically, he like, while uh, Fu is standing at the door yelling at Jin and Mugen, he does the whole like picture frame thing with his fingers, with his thumb and forefinger, you know? And he's like, Framing her and telling her about how she looks so great.
0: Yeah. But then the uh, but he he says something like, I can't remember. Like, because he he wants her in that exact position she
1: was standing in. Yeah, she's kind of like half facing away from him, with her you know most of her back to him. Uh, but then we get this super weird kind of clip where the narrator steps back in, saying, uh this guy who this who was talking to Fu, um he he's after these girls with like soft skin and it shows this super weird stylized art style of him like molesting all these girls yeah it's kind of bizarre weird uh even more weird is the fact that in the next episode I'm pretty sure you find out the foo is only 15. Oh yeah, I forgot about that shit. Yeah, you don't know it at this point, but yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the next episode that you find out that uh she's only 15. But seriously, like this part is like this the show's like 15 years old, so at the time I'm sure it wasn't a big deal, but now here we are in 2021 and people are offended by everything. So I'm mm. I am giving you a warning that this part is actually kind of graphic.
0: <laughs> trigger warning.
1: Yeah. Insert trigger warning here. Yeah. <laughs> Probably uh, should say that before everything you say.
0: Yeah, honestly. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you just assume I would be offended? Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Oh, uh, okay. And then we cut to Mugen and he like goes up to this dude with a stupid like blue mohawk. And he's just like looking at him all grinning and the guy the guy like pulls his sword out. And he's like, "What do you want to fight?" And I, this part is kind of funny to me where he's like, "No, I'll just beat you with these." And he, he flops his hands and then he proceeds to kick their ass with his feet.
1: With his feet. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> You're exactly right. Which
0: I thought was kind of funny.
1: It was pretty funny. And I love that right afterwards, he's like holding out his hand after he kicks all their asses and he's having them pay him. And then he's like, I can't remember what he says, but he makes them all jump up and he down. He
0: starts jumping.
1: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and he can hear the coins jingling in the one guy's pocket. Yeah, so he's, he's like, like oh, Sorry. Yeah. yeah, the dude apologizes and Mugen says something about like, it's how rude or something yeah. <laughs> like that.
0: <laughs> Which made uh, so, me laugh. So he literally just straight up mugged these guys.
1: Yeah, he just he shook these guys down, and at first maybe you're like, "Oh, he got their boat fare," but now nah, he just wants some food. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny.
0: <laughs> uh, I, we could talk about that, I guess, right now, just because it gets a little confusing with the jumping around. But he goes up to like a guy selling octopus, and he's like, "How, good, how much can I get for this?" And the guy just holds up like a bunch of freaking sticks. He's like, "Yeah, yeah dude."
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, but the narrator slash investigator guy, he saw all this go down, right? He saw. Yeah, yeah he's,
0: he's lurking in a lot of the scenes because I watched it again and yeah. he's in the background of a lot of them.
1: Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so we clip back over to Jin who has found his way down to the docks and he finds this dude playing like a... It's sort of like a chess style game and I looked it up because they say it. It's called Shogi and it's essentially is a Japanese style of chess.
0: And some yeah some old man with gold teeth challenges him to a game, right? I can't remember what Jin what happens if Jin loses.
1: I don't know. He says something about betting his life, right?
0: I get yeah, I guess I don't remember. <laughs>
1: Pretty sure he does. Either way, Jin agrees to play with him. Yeah. Uh but then we clip back to Mugen. This is the part you're talking about where he takes all that money he just got and he freaking spends it all on food immediately. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then this is where we we cut over to like a sort of like an art gallery store, um, and one of the guys that Mugen had shook down. I'm pretty sure it's the blue blue mohawk. Yeah, it's dude. The, dude with
0: the mohawk and the pointy teeth.
1: Yeah, he, they we basically find out that those guys and this lady who's running this uh, this art gallery are all yakuza, um, and she gets so pissed at this guy basically that they let, you know, they basically insulted the name of Yakuza by getting beat down so easy. Yeah. (laughs) But then as soon as that guy leaves, right, Mugen finds him again.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and he just runs away, and Mugen starts chasing him. Yeah. (laughs) But then Mugen runs into, uh, what, Fu and the Painter hanging out, chilling. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they're, like, walking. That's, That's great, too, where, like, like you said, they're trying to show all these things are happening at the same time, because as Mugen chases this guy off, we see like Fu and this guy walking one way, and then here comes the blue mohawk guy running past them, and Mugen yeah. chasing him right behind him. It's it's pretty clever.
0: Oh, yeah, this is when he like is painting her, but then he's like, no, you gotta reveal yourself a little bit more, but then he's like, I'm not a pervert.
1: Yeah, dude, that... So that part right here is very like anime yeah, where he's is. like, oh no, no, it's not what you think. And he's like doing the little shaking his hands back and yeah. forth in front of his face. <laughs> but it is kind of funny in this. Yeah. Um, this is where we kind of jump back to that. Uh, the narrator starts talking about the fact that there's a bunch of European ships that are like harbored. And anchored right out off the shoreline, right there where Jin and the old man are playing.
0: But it's it's weird, right? Because um, they can't dock, so they can't dock there. So it's like super weird for there to be European ships just hanging out,
1: right? Um, <clears throat> yeah. So then we end up trying to remember. Oh,
0: this is when this is part is so weird. This is when that secret cop is like watching that hurt oh, him through the painting. Painter. And, but yeah. he's he's like shaking his truncheon blade thing, which he says he modified it to be a weight loss device. Uh-huh. But they never bring it up again. <laughs> it's so weird. No.
1: I mean, it's sorta of funny, but like is it supposed to be a humorous moment? Because it's, I don't know, it's just weird. But exactly, it's, it's almost more bizarre than anything.
0: Yeah. And he, he's like watching Fu get painted. And then we, we jump back to, to uh, Jin playing Shoji with the old man, right? yeah and then Jin is like shoji is super similar to fighting i used to play shoji all the time against my old master even though i was never able to beat him and the old man was it's like were you able to beat him at sword as well and then Jin doesn't say anything
1: yeah um and oh that's right we jump back to uh fu being painted by this dude but then a bunch of freaking just weird-looking dudes bust in the door and they kidnap Fu. Yeah. And this is where the bigger sort of plot of this episode starts to come into play is because of this. Um, but then the old man. We jump back to Jin and the old man, and the old man. Uh, the he comments that it's been getting dark, and so that they need to maybe continue their game the next day. And as the old man goes to get up. He purposely kicks the board and knocks all the pieces off the board.
0: Yeah, and he's like, oh, damn. Guess we can't play anymore. And then Jin proceeds to pick up all the pieces and put them back in the exactly right place. Except yeah. for the old man is a dickhead, and he's like, wait, but wasn't the king in this position?
1: Yeah, yeah, dude, that's so slimy.
0: Oh, sorry. I'm <clears> trying <throat> to remember. This episode's kind of confusing.
1: Yeah, because we jump back over to Fu and those guys who kidnapped her are the same guys who, uh, you know, Mugen had freaking shook down earlier in the episode. Right. And they basically tell Fu that not to worry about it because by tomorrow she's going to be out to sea. Basically, they're going to take her to the boats that are moored off the shore. Yeah. Because they are. Kidnapping Japanese women and sending them over to Europe on these European ships,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's when we jump back over to this freaking lady running this art gallery, uh, the yakuza lady, and she corners the painter guy. She totally sexually harasses him.
0: Yeah, she wants to bang him, and he's yeah, and he's like, "Oh no, my stomach! I can't not tonight." Yeah. <laughs>
1: it is kind of funny um and she gets pissed off because she basically is like don't forget who got you this job essentially yeah, yeah and that's when he does it's super anime yeah it, again <laughs> oh no, <my> stomach. Yeah. <laughs> and
0: then he goes and rescues foo right
1: yeah because foo is tied up in a freaking barrel that's how they're going to get her out to the boat, apparently, without other people noticing. Yeah. But this guy basically confesses that he's in on the whole thing, and he's mm-hmm. been conning these women so they can get kidnapped. Um, But he basically feels bad about it at this point, so he decides to tell her about it.
0: Well, I, I don't even know if he feels bad, but if, or if it's just like he is just super attracted to Fu or something. Because he be. like he like mentions that he like literally saw a light when he first saw her for the first time, which you're right yeah. but it's super weird that she's only fifteen.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you don't find that out until the next episode, like I said, but it's it makes it this whole thing a little bit more bizarre.
0: But he doesn't actually get to get take Fu away. The yakuza catch him and kicked the shit out of him.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and that freaking lady who runs the gallery. Is there too, and she's super pissed,
0: yeah. And then, so let me jump to moving and Jin. They're like sleeping in some, I think it's maybe it's like a church or something like a rundown shack. And they're like, Well, where, where's Fu? We don't know.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but then Jin gets back up because he has to go freaking play the old man more at yeah. Shoji shogi shows g i don't know how you say it
0: and some guy goes to put like an offering into like an offering box but mugen grabs it before he can he's like sitting behind it yeah i think you're right i don't know what that's about but
1: i don't either yeah it's basically just another way to show mugen getting money i guess super dishonorably (laughs) yeah basically just stealing (laughs) Uh then we see all those yakuza guys they throw the freaking painter back in his house but Mugen's already there because he's trying to find Fu because right. he knew that that guy was the last one to see Fu. And this is where he basically explains the whole con. So he paints the women and then the paintings go up in the gallery and men come into the gallery and they pick a painting but in reality they're picking the woman that's in the painting to be yeah. kidnapped and stolen.
0: Mm-hmm. so yeah it's all just a front but so uh he the painter guy takes mugen to where food was being kept but all the barrels are gone except for one
1: right yeah because the guys couldn't lift it earlier
0: yeah it was super heavy <laughs> i forgot yeah. about that little scene I'm like man this one's
1: heavy yeah yeah and then the freaking investigator guy pops out of it but he's wearing like no he's wearing like no clothes he is just yeah. like a freaking uh I don't know whatever that's called sumo sumo wrestlers wear. <laughs>
0: yeah, don't know what that's
1: called. And his trusty wobbly truncheon in his hand.
0: Yeah, which is so weird to me. Just sword, dude. <laughs> it's <is> kind of weird.
1: <laughs> but so they obviously know now that the uh, food had been taken. So Mugen chases down the boat. That has all these barrels on it. And he jumps onto the freaking boat. It's the same guy as from before. And he yeah. kicks the shit out of him again, which is great.
0: Uh, uh, yeah, we, one of the he, he catches one of the guys and he break whoops his ass.
1: Yeah, I only put that in there because he does, dude. He does he's the thing like where he's like spinning kick. Yeah, the he like lays down onto his back and he starts spinning his legs in the air and kicks him that way. It's freaking great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they end up back at the gallery where, you know, they pick out the girls and uh, the police officers basically say that she is the freaking, she, the lady running the gallery is the one who's obviously, you know, doing this whole thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> the guy is always, he's just packing his freaking trunching around every time now and it's yeah, just flopping it's around so the whole weird. time. And it is, it's like it has a little bit bigger like tip on it. It definitely, you know, yeah, it's very, uh, yeah, I guess it's, it very much. So looks like, you know, what you would imagine.
0: But they, yeah. So Jin is still playing whatever that's freaking chess.
1: Shogi. Shogi, Shogi. Yeah. But uh,
0: the guy he was playing chess against is actually the one that was behind it all.
1: Yeah, the old man is the one who freaking was running this whole scam. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, that's right, because when the cop comes running up, the the narrator, the investigator, he's the one who knows that it's the old man somehow.
0: Yeah, I didn't really understand that.
1: It's sort of like a weird turn of events simply to tie the old man and Jin into the story, it seems like. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. It's like, yeah, Jin was here too. Yeah. You're right. Jin didn't have anything to do
0: with this episode, really.
1: No, and it's like, it's super red herring, like, because they don't mention the old man really that much at all. So you obviously think that the lady, because they essentially told you the lady is running the gallery. So, right. But then the old man freaking tosses Jin all the money that he had bet. Mm -hmm. So he still pays Jin this huge freaking sum of money. And I love that that Fu comments that after all of that, freaking Jin is the one who made the money for them to get on the boat. Yep, Because Jin's the man. (laughs) Yeah, and then he says something about, yeah, Mugen's like, I came away with a little bit of booty of my own. And he has the pictures of Fu. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God, it's so funny.
0: Yeah, and then this is really weird like it, then it ties back into supposedly the painter that was in this episode was the painter that painted the sunflowers that inspired van gogh right
1: yeah i yeah i but don't if, really understand it
0: wh- what <laughs> like i didn't i don't get it i'm gonna be honest with you why is that i mean i guess it's supposed episode? to just
1: be it's supposed to just be funny because we see the painting he did a foo and we can freaking it's like very super exaggerated to what you actually saw of her in the episode, but the background is sunflowers. So supposedly that of her half naked makes it to fan go. And that's what inspired him to paint sunflowers. Yeah. But what? <laughs> like, I, I don't know, man. I, yeah. I this don't episode
0: really understand it, I guess.
1: No, this episode out of all of the ones so far, like this episode is good. Cause it's funny, but the, the rest of it doesn't, really jive with the way the show has been so far
0: yeah and as far as i know i don't know if mr narrator mr freaking dick trunching shows back up
1: (laughs) exactly so yeah it's so weird he's like there to just narrate that one episode yeah but what does the painting
0: have to okay never mind i guess i'm gonna be here all day
1: (laughs) yeah i don't know man yeah we better move on to uh episode six uh this one's called stranger searching it's directed by Akira Yoshimura, and it's written by Shoji Obara. Its original Japanese air date was July 1st, 2004, and the English dub was June 19th, 2005.
0: Yeah, and so this one episode uh, opens with a narrator, too, which I guess I kind of forgot. It's like, it's, it's just yes. talking about where they were going, right, and like that they finally had made it to Edo.
1: Yeah, because it shows like a little map, and it's like, it's like a little D and D map, and they're like drawing the lines to where they're going to each city. And yeah, he says they finally made it to Edo.
0: Yeah, and like one of the the first scene is like these. There's a bunch of dudes walking across a bridge with looks like wicker baskets on their heads.
1: Yeah, and I don't remember right now, but do they show their feet at this point? Yeah, they do. Okay, so okay, so they let you know right off the bat, but obviously i didn't pick up on it at that point
0: right so these dudes are wearing what look like wooden clogs
1: yeah exactly um so then uh we see mugen jin and fu are in like a line to enter a an eating competition i i put in the notes that i didn't know what kind of competition it was because in this show unlike a lot of shows that come out now it will show a sign written in Japanese and it will not put any English. English, Which is
0: something we're going to talk about in this episode because there's part of this. I feel like that, like there's, there's part of the story that we just don't get to understand.
1: Yeah, absolutely. For sure.
0: Well, yeah, they're entering an eating contest and they have to put like a shoe down as collateral is what the guy says or something like that. Which
1: it's just, that's an amount of money though, right? I guess I, but there was actually shoes on the table. Well, I think it's an amount of money, but then he also says that he will take anything worth that amount as collateral.
0: So yeah, they all give up their swords. Which Fu has a sword, I guess.
1: Yeah, she has her little—I don't know—it looks like a letter opener dagger. Yeah. Yeah, and Jin is like, "No, I absolutely will not." And Mugen takes his swords and puts them on the table.
0: (laughs) It's hilarious. So yeah, we get this like whole eating contest thing and Jin quits almost immediately. He eats like, yeah, one then he's bowl, like, like a little bitch.
1: <laughs> yeah, because they're basically eating like rice and meat. And it, it looks delicious. delicious. It does look delicious for a cartoon, even it looks and it just sounds delicious. I love me some freaking rice and meat. Me too. Um yeah, I love the way Jin is sitting. He's all like just stewing and he's like, I'm ashamed of myself. You have to win my swords back. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's uh, the
1: first one to quit too. yeah
0: and then like from there we get like a couple scenes of like people passing out from eating and stuff and then it cuts to J- Jin is like st- staring at Mugen, and he's like you cannot quit and Mugen looks like he's about to puke and then he does so he like passes but out
1: he passes out yeah it may- it's even better because i thought for sure he's gonna puke but then instead he passes out and he he falls over backwards and his stomach's all huge <laughs> yeah
0: but Fu is still in the competition and still going strong. And she lasts until it's her and somebody else who is very, very large. He's much larger than anybody we've seen.
1: Yeah, and he has one of those, like, classic, uh, you know, uh, what, is, what do you call that hat?
0: Is it a straw hat?
1: I, yeah, I guess. But, you know, it's like the, the like, cone-shaped one. So you can't see this guy's face. We don't see this guy's face ever.
0: Yeah. So they keep eating, 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 and then Fu goes to swat a fly, and she accidentally makes the Japanese symbol of surrender
1: and gives up. Yeah. Which I don't know. That was super. Like, uh, we don't know what else to do. So yeah. <laughs> I I don't know. It's kind of funny, but yeah. And this is so, the part where yeah. they say t- say that foo's only 15, by the way.
0: Which I didn't even notice that. I watched this episode yeah. twice. Oh, uh, yeah. So this the stranger like takes off his hat and immediately you can tell that he like looks different than everybody else.
1: Yeah. And they they even say like Jin and uh, Mugen mentioned they're like, Why does this guy talk so funny? And he's I love this part though, because he's like, why not to understand what you mean. I was born and raised in Japan. Yeah. Like, <laughs> dude, it's so good. <laughs> and, yeah, and he clearly has an accent. Whoever his voice actor does is a great job. You know what it reminded me of? Of Ooh. the South Park episode with the freaking, uh, the robot from the future, the Trapper Keeper episode. Oh. <laughs> really? Yeah. Only because of the way that guy, like, talks. Like, he's like, I am Trapper Keeper. No, the, the robot guy from the future. I guess I don't remember that one. You don't? Where he's like, oh, I, what do you do with your human money? I mean, oh, yeah. your money. That it reminds human. me of that guy. Yeah, that's like what it reminded me of. I thought
0: <laughs> the Trapper Keeper episode was the one where freaking Cartman gets like assimilated into the Trapper Keeper.
1: It is, but that guy... He's in that episode Cos- too? Yeah, because that's Bill Cosby, remember? He was sent back oh, from the yeah, future to try to, try to, to destroy the them. Trapper Keeper. That's right. Yeah. It's hilarious. <laughs> Anyways, oh uh, yeah, um, I mean, so
0: you can basically tell this guy's not from Japan. He's super weird.
1: But, yeah, he's also he's super tall. He has pretty pale skin. He has red hair and blue eyes. Even though his not, hair doesn't look red to me, to be honest, it,
0: I don't know if I'm no, it's brown.
1: It's it's pretty much painted or it's you know it's drawn brown. I, I agree. Yeah. But they they comment on it being red.
0: And so Jin is, like, immediately, like, hey, give me my swords back
1: right now. Yeah, and this guy's, like, no, not unless you take me to do some sightseeing around Edo. And (laughs) Mugen starts to comment. Yeah. 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 And Mugen starts to comment about, like, well, we don't really know anything about, and Jin, like, immediately Mm -hmm. steps in, and he's, like, actually, I was the whatever Edo tour guide for many years. (laughs) It's pretty funny.
0: Yeah, and then we clip to the police asking around if anybody's seen a European man.
1: So, I put police in my notes because I thought that's who they were. We find out a little bit later that they are samurai disguised as police officers. Oh, I guess I didn't even pick that up. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so our, uh, you know, Jin and food and Mugen lead this guy around the city and They show them a bunch of stuff. But the whole time we keep clipping back and forth that the police are looking for this, uh, like a a European man in the city.
0: And we keep getting a couple clips of the basket head dudes walking around, too. Yeah,
1: that's right. They're freaking clogging around the city, too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dang. I wasn't expecting that.
1: (laughs) Every every once in a while, you know, Okay. The blind squirrel finds a nut. Oh.
0: Uh, but so yeah they like go around the city to a bunch of different things they like eat some food and stuff
1: yeah but the police come in right and they're questioning them while they're eating yeah and it essentially pisses mugen off because they're like hey if you see any european man around here which he's sitting right there but he has his back to him so they they're not paying attention they don't notice it's him yeah but they're like sick yeah, because they're like, if you see the European man around here, you come tell us immediately. And Mugen's basically like, you know, I don't really like the way you're talking to me. Yeah. And they're like, they're like, what did you say? You know, you have to do what we say. And he's like, actually, when people tell me I got to do what they say, it makes me not want to do what they say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is freaking great.
0: Yeah. And they like whoop their ass. And Jin catches a sword. No, wait, in wait, cup. wait, wait, wait.
1: Oh, no, but I don't mean to interrupt, but you missed the part where he's like, he looks at the European guy and he's like, hey, give me this sword on your back. And the stranger's like, I know gimme. I get, yeah, you're right.
0: Oh, dude, it's so good. Uh, Yeah, I forgot about that.
1: (laughs) But yes, then also when they fight, because uh, Jin doesn't have his swords. He's forced to use his cup to fight with, which is hilarious. Yeah, he catches
0: the dude's sword and snaps the tip of it off.
1: Yeah, in his wooden cup. Yeah, he snaps the tip off. Yeah. It's freaking awesome.
0: Yeah, but then they decide it's probably a better idea to run
1: than to fight. Yeah. So obviously, freaking Jin and, and Fu are mad at Mugen because he picked a fight, you know, like he always does.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they, he always wants to fight. That's just who he is.
1: Yeah, and then we quickly see like uh, the aftermath of where the Fu and Jin and Mugen were, the basket head dudes are there too after the fact. And then uh, the one last thing that the European guy wants is he wants to go see a play. That's like the one thing he really wants to do. And then he says, if we go watch this play, I'll give you all your stuff back. Mm -hmm. So they're watching this play in this like big opera house. And the European man is basically like in love with the lead woman of the play. Um, But shortly after the play is over, they go to like the dressing room where the lead woman was because the Europeans like I have to meet her. I have to know who she is. Well, we find out it's actually a man dressed as a woman. There's probably some historical significance to that, too, to be honest.
0: I think that still happens in Japan all the time.
1: Really? Mm -hmm. You might be right. Because I feel like that's not just, like, a small, like, you know what I mean? I feel like there is some significance to that. Probably. Um, And at first, the European guy looks pissed when he finds out that it's a man dressed as a woman. But then he, like, softens and he's like... Actually, this is even better because I like men even more.
0: Yeah, which I was not expecting at all. I was like, "Wait, what?" No. Yeah, this
1: it was like way out of left field.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I like I think this is kind of the show's strength because I was not expecting him to be gay.
1: Right, like, yeah, but it, it doesn't
0: even really like. I don't know. It's not like it's not like shoved in your face either.
1: No, no, it's not like it's not like awkward or anything. Yeah, the whole it, point of like. And I like how quickly they then circle back to, like, wrap up the whole story as to why he's here.
0: Yeah, which I I love that he's like, despite obvious appearance, I am not Japanese.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're right. (laughs) Which
0: is hilarious to me. (laughs) He's like, I'm actually from Holland. It's like, yeah, literally (laughs) nobody thought you were Japanese, dude. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah, but he basically explains that he's gay and that it's not okay to be gay in Holland because the Bible says it's it's not a good thing for a mandalay with a man. And then he like found a book, right? And that brought him to Japan or why he the yeah, like, reason why he wanted to come there.
1: Yeah, because we get this little like sequence and he says that he discovered the book of uh, Saikaku Ihara and basically this guy was writing about like how like in Japan uh, manly love is okay. Not necessarily even like gay love, just like super strong like men with other men feeling having feelings for each other and it not being like weird basically yeah Yeah, because that's right because the narrator steps in at this point and he's basically saying what this guy's talking about and what that book is explaining is not necessarily like anything vulgar like most people's minds would automatically assume he they're just saying that like in japan it's okay for like men to be like best friends and like whatever there shows like a bunch of pictures you know they're like picking flowers together but they're in like their underwear and then they're giving each other massages and stuff like that like but that's not that's not like a weird thing to them whereas like in holland like this guy explains in holland all of that stuff is not okay
0: yeah yeah so he came to japan which i feel like we don't get to know because i feel like there's a lot of information that's coming up that we just don't get to know
1: yeah because this part that's kind of coming up is where we yeah we miss out on a bunch of stuff um because then those samurai who are pretending to be police but they're really just they're pretty much just racist is what they are yeah they they corner the european with Jin and boogan and them and essentially they explain that they're racist and they're like ah no freaking red-headed blue-eyed people here we're gonna kill you because of it basically <laughs> yeah. you can just get out yeah so i would be fucked yeah but um i mean i would be too. <laughs> um but they uh all the the basket head dude dudes all show up too like at the same time yeah and we find out that they're all European. They all pull their baskets yeah. off their head. And they're all like tall, blonde-haired, blue-eyed dudes.
0: Yeah, which we don't really... Because, as you've already stated, there there are subtitles, but they're only in Japanese. So we don't... Because they're speaking in Dutch. So I don't know what they're saying. Yeah, about.
1: exactly. So after this brawl, then, yeah, the European guys, the, the Holland guys Dutch guys talk to each other but yeah they're speaking Dutch and the subtitles are in Japanese so and I turned on English subtitles I turned on I did everything I thought I could do and we don't I I don't know what they say basically no idea so but essentially what it comes down to is that the European has to leave because he knows like no matter what he won't be accepted here in Japan. Right now, at this time, right. I, I wonder,
0: like, I don't know. I wonder, because I, they, they must have been following him, right? The, the other Europeans.
1: I'm assuming they were looking for him too. Like, they're trying so to I, find I, him I, I to get him out like of there. I wonder if he's like a noble or something. He, so he kind of is because they sort of say that, that he, yeah, he is like um, an official that was accepted by the Ooh. shogunite, right. Yeah, like a diplomatic type official, mm-hmm. maybe. But we I, I think we lose a lot of it in that part where you know we have no idea what was said. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but so yeah, he explains he can't hang out there. Then Fu's like, Hey, have you ever heard of this samurai that smells of sunflowers? And he's like, Uh no. But and then he she, she no, he's like, I need more to go on than that. And so she shows yeah. him a skull from her little let her open her dagger and he's like you can't show this to anyone
1: yeah he says this thing you have is very dangerous you cannot show it to anyone but that she should go to nagasaki to look for him that's the only information he can give her yeah yeah Yeah, and then
0: this weird ending sequence too
1: yeah yeah, where there's a there's words and on the screen in Japanese, and we basically hear Mugen and Jin, and one of them's like, "Wait, I didn't know this was a," and then the words change, and the other guy's like, "Seriously, that's what's happening?" or something to that effect. Yeah, but I don't know what any of us said because it was in Japanese. So
0: <laughs> yeah, which is super weird. Maybe that's why the show got canceled because of this episode specifically because it kind of pissed me off.
1: <laughs> <laughs> because because of that, yeah, because like. You would think if there's going to be Japanese subtitles, they would English subtitle over those if you're watching it in English. I don't know if you've ever
0: watched Cells at Work, which is an, another anime that has a lot of Japanese writing on stuff, but they always put English underneath it.
1: Yeah. And that's usually what most shows will do if you're watching the English version. And like if they show like a sign and yeah, it's written in Japanese, it'll show a subtitle of what it says in English. Yeah. So, yeah, it's very bizarre that they don't do that in this. Yeah. So, yeah, that was our three episodes. But, yeah, yeah, that'll wrap us up for these ones. What are we doing next time, Ryan? Well, our next episode should be, it's either going to be The Beautiful Thing That Awaits Us All or A Round Table. I don't know yet which one's going to come first.
0: The next book will be
1: a beautiful thing that awaits us all. Correct. The next book will be. And then, if anybody's curious, the book after that is going to be uh, Spellbound by Larry Correa, which is the sequel to Hard Magic. Yeah.
0: It's in the old oh man. I looked it up and I can't remember
1: the Grim Noir something. Chronicles. Was it Chronicles? I'm pretty sure, yeah. Grim Noir Chronicles. Yeah, because I know it yeah, it's serious. a trilogy. Yeah. But yeah, that's what uh, our plans are for the next little bit. And uh, yeah, thank you, anybody, for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, again, if you guys want to give us feedback, comments, concerns, what, whatever you
0: concerns.
1: want, concerns. <laughs> pod at gmail.com would be the easiest place to do that.
0: Yeah. And I hope to hear from you. And I hope to hear you see you or hope, hope your ears are present in the next episode.